Hey, it's Sunday, and we are proud to give you the episode that you probably were looking for on Friday. Um, the reason why it's late, two reasons. Uh, we had a puppy situation. Um, the puppy is fine, so we want to, you know, shout out Max on the show. Um, but then I got to look. And this is our 100th episode. So, um, <coughs> you know, it's the holidays. So here at FRPC, we want to thank our loyal listeners. And we ask you to share with, like, your, you know, your um, coworkers and what have you and friends. And, you know, put people on the pod because uh, this is how we grow our numbers and grow out our community. So, I look forward to that in the new year. Um, but man, we just got like a lot of stuff to get to. But I just want to show first appreciation because I wanted to get a holiday themed uh, podcast out, which we're going to do and also get you that Eastern Conference recap that we said that we were going to do for you. So all of that is on the table. You were getting that. Um, first, I want to give you uh, the sentiments of, of Dane and Nico. Um, they are ecstatic about coming, uh, well, in Nico's case, coming back, and in Dane's case, coming aboard. Uh, we'll, we're still working on it. Um, so in the new year, look forward to that. It will not just be my voice on this podcast. So we got that to look forward to. So keeping in mind of the holidays. We give you FRPC's three NBA wishes. Now, these wishes are for the rest of the season. Um, I chose to stay away from specific teams, um, you know, so we're not showing favoritism. So there's nothing Rockets specific. There's nothing Lakers specific on this pod. Some people would say we're heavily biased towards a, uh, OKC. Well, <laughs> we're not. Uh, we just like the talent. But these wishes are basically for us as podcasters fans, you know, Twitter, how they get down, um, you know, and just, and, and just little, little, little changes that we thought of. So the first of the three wishes for the NBA holiday season and going forward is can we have an active trade deadline season? And, you know, a lot of people say, well, yeah, of course you want that because you're a podcaster and, you know, you need clicks and da-da-da. Listen, that's transparent. I definitely want that for that, for sure. Let's not get it twisted. These are the facts. But I actually did come up with three reasons why this should be something that we as fans want and also... It just makes a lot of sense. And let me give you the three reasons. One, get teams to pick a direction. Okay? So we're looking at Chicago. We're looking at uh, Toronto. Okay? Um, Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we might have to talk about that a little bit. Um, <coughs> and then... Number two, it's going to spark conversation. Obviously, podcasters, obviously, uh, insiders, people on TNT, ESPN, wherever. Anytime there's a robust trade season um, with multiple rumors, multiple names out there, different trades, obviously, it gives a lot of content for people. So, you know, I'm not going to, like I said, full transparency. And then the third thing is this. Since the NFL has decided that they are going to put football on Saturday, 
Sunday, and all day Monday, which usually was pretty much hell for the NBA for the longest period of time. An active trade market can grab some of the attention away from the pinnacle of the NFL season, which is the Super Bowl. Right? So, this is kind of why I'm asking for a active trade deadline is because of this. You know, those three reasons, I think, and, and they're pretty good reasons. So, um, all right, NBA front offices, let's mix it up. Okay, so Santa, that's what, that's on our list for Santa to bring to us tomorrow. And going forward, right? Okay. I'm going to save that one for last. I'm going to, no, you know what? I'm going to get into this. We're going to get serious for a second. Um, Can we get a second screen alternative experience from the NBA um, where we can get live sound that's on the court. Now, let me give you this. It would be a unique experience perspective to the game. Obviously, you would be able to hear players. You'd be able to see referee and uh, player interaction, coach referee interaction. Obviously, player player interaction, things of that nature. Um, you can farm out another revenue stream, advertising dollar dollars, etc. So here's the thing. Um, the NBA is always looking for whatever is next, whatever is new. They seem to be very open to a lot of ideas. Again, you know, this is something that is another way for them to go ahead and monetize the product. Now, my third thing is I'm taking into acknowledgement that the language on the court is very colorful, you know, and things of that nature with the refs and the players. You know, I understand that. So, I would think that if you could put this on like cable or Apple or Amazon or whoever else would want this uh this NBA intellectual property, giving the fans an intimate insight and some um uh some insight to the night to night point of view of these incredible athletes, I think it's a win win. But you know, you're looking at just you're going to be able to see how the fans energy you're going to see how you know maybe some interaction between players and fans you know so i mean i just think there's such a upside to this you know and i hear from people all the time that you know they're tired of like the espn you know product as far as that's concerned uh tnt still gets high grades but that espn product Right now, um, which I like a lot of people on the show. You know, Zach Lowe is my guy. You know, I quote him here on this podcast a lot. But giving the fans a peek inside, you know, anything that we can get that's a little insider, uh, especially for the the basketball nerds and, and, and the people who are really into this. I think it would be a worthwhile investment and something to look into personally. All right, let's get to the third one. And the third one to me is I love it. I'm I'm here for it. But uh, let's talk about it. <clears throat> and I got some notes, wrote some stuff down. So here we go. If we can get the thing to sit up there, hopefully. Okay. Third, third NBA Christmas holiday wish, whatever you want to call it. Let's designate home color colorway at home. Let's 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 make it light colors, white, or if you are not white, you know, like with the Lakers, they're gold, purple, and gold. 
can we get the home colors to be what they are? Now, I might sound... <laughs> and here's the thing. I'll even give you latitude. I'll even give you latitude with the light colors. But I just need them to be unilaterally the light colors. Now, whether it's the city edition, the statement edition, the Christmas edition, which they took away, which was weird. LeBron says something about that. Latin Heritage Month, Racial Inclusion, Rock the Vote, 70s or 80s Night, Outer Space. I don't care what the theme is, as long as the colorway is what we are accustomed to. You know, with, with the NBA. Like, Boston at home should wear white. Not green. Not black. They should wear white with green trim. Now, here's the thing. Your shoes, go crazy. Do whatever it is that you want to do with the shoes. But the armband, the compression pants... The headband, the wristband, the finger sleeve, all of that, white or green. You know what I'm saying? Like, it should match the, your home colors. All right. Um, oh, here's the other thing, too. Go crazy on the road. Go crazy. You can do whatever it is that you want to do on the road. You want to look like a shamrock shake? Go right ahead. You want to look like the American flag? Go right ahead. You want to look like your favorite anime character? I'm good with that. Comic book or movie, or you know, Marvel Cinematic Movie Hero? Cool. You want to wear plaid? Fantastic. Gold LeMay? With that too. Just as long as the home colors stay the light colors, the, the, the traditional colors, that's all I really want to see. Variations of that. So, however, like I said, however you want to do it, you want to put the, you know, the home name in script, you want to block, you know, like I said, you want to do the street edition. Or whatever. As long as the Miami Heat look like the Miami Heat. You know. Like. I don't know. Some of these color schemes have gotten way out of control. On the night to night basis. I mean. It's just. It's ridiculous to me. But. Those are the three things. That we are giving to the NBA. As wishes. So. I hope you guys enjoyed that. We're going to try to do something like that every year. So this was the first annual. And, um, man, you know, we have fun with it. And I hope you guys have fun with it. Let's get to the Eastern Conference recap. Now, I wrote a lot of this on Friday. So these stats also might be indicative of Friday numbers. So bear with us on that. Um, a couple things haven't changed, and we'll get into that right away. Okay, so how we did this is we broke it up by division, and, you know, we're going to go division by division, but we're also going to give you their conference ranking or whatever because of record. So we're going to start off with the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons right now are 2 and 26. Yep, not great. Um 15 in the East. They signed Monty Williams to a long-term contract in the offseason. Um also it's bear mentioning that Troy Weaver of late signed a contract. I think it was either earlier this year or last year. So he's like in the first year of like a multi-year deal. Um, <clears throat> they got Joe Harris, who has done really nothing for them. And I think that Joe Harris might have seen his last days. 
Monty Morris is also not played for them very much. And they drafted Asar Thompson. Okay? Now, here's the thing that I find interesting with the Detroit Pistons. And I was talking to somebody, and I want to shout him out. Patrick, our guy from the Discord, um, we were having a conversation about Detroit, and he said, I really like the swings that they went after he just didn't know what the scouting department was looking at because, you know, Marvin Bagley III really hasn't shown too much of anything in his days in Sacramento, and obviously Wiseman didn't show a lot at Golden State. But my counter to that was if you have Cade and you already had Doran and you already had Stewart and Cade is the guy you're trying to build around, wouldn't you keep or get shooting around him if you know that that's not his strong suit and maybe that's not Ivy's strong suit? So the guys that you put around them are shooters, right? Um. I did enjoy his point about, you know, taking a swing because you never know if somebody is underutilized. I bring up the name Jermaine O'Neal a lot. And because it's just a tale, it's a cautionary tale. This guy was in, um, he was in, Go, he was in Portland. Sorry about that. I was getting a text. Uh, he was in Portland. And he went to... He went to uh, Indiana and just took off. He just absolutely took off after that. So, you never know. You always should take the... You always should take the swing. You should always do that situation. Um, if for some reason... You know, it doesn't work out, you know, cut your losses. But here's the thing with Detroit. It just didn't match. And when you look at this team, it just doesn't fit. The players just, they don't fit at all. Um, And here's the thing. You maybe have egg on your face, but staying neutral for the sake of saving face to be proven right three down three years down the road when Ivy learns how to shoot or be you know be able to be on the court with Cade at the same time. I mean, I don't know how long it's gonna take, but <clears throat> excuse me. Ivy needs the ball. Cade needs the ball. And quite as kept. Asur needs the ball a little bit too, but he can play without it. Alright. You also got Killian Hayes, who needs the ball. He's in the mix. Marcus Sasser gets less and less time. And again, it's not... If Cade is your guy, you gotta build things around him that are going to breed success, and they just haven't. Now, here's the other thing that I want to read to you. That I also think is very, very important. Kay Cunningham, first overall pick, 20, 2021 draft. Okay? Now, when I get to the end of this... Actually, no, I'm going to do it now. So, he was drafted in 2021. He's only played in 104 career games. Jaden Ivey, fifth overall pick, 2022 draft. He's been in 98 games. Arsor Thompson, obviously, this is his rookie year, so 20, 20 plus. Jalen Durant, 13th overall pick, 2022 draft, 81 career games. Hmm. You're going to start to see a pattern here. Marcus Sasser doesn't count, rookie. James Wiseman, second overall pick, 2019 draft. Only 102 games. Marvin Bagley III. Second overall pick, 2018. 231 games. 
And Isaiah Stewart, 16th overall, and he's at 215 games. He's the closest one to, you know, playing the kind of prerequisite amount of games in your time in the league. But if you look at that, there's not one guy in eight guys that has three years of basketball, NBA basketball on-court experience. How can you win like that, man? Like, how can you win with that kind of mix? I just don't see it to be fruitful at all. Um, I don't know what direction they're going in. And honestly, to tell you the truth, because their pick is caught up in some pick swap this year, they can't even trade it. So honestly, I think you got to start selling off pieces. And whatever those pieces are, you know, if you're looking for more um, pick, you know, pick equity back, get that. <clears throat> if you're looking more for a player, get that. But right now, this isn't great at all. Um, we move on to the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls have a record of 13 and 17. Keep in mind, these are as of Friday night standings, okay? Um, Billy Donovan is the head coach, and Arturis Karnishevich is their uh, exec. Now, here's what they've done. They basically signed their guys in the offseason, Kobe White. We'll get to him in a second. Uh, Io DeSumo and uh, Javon Carter. Zach Levine left with a sore heel. He's out until January. Since the Levine injury, Kobe White has just been, I mean, he's been ridiculous. I like that kid. He's provided juice to a lifeless uh, starting lineup with Levine asking to be traded, basically, and he looked like he had checked out. Towards the end of Levine, the last couple games, it, he just didn't look very interested to be there. In the last five games, White is averaging 22 points a game, 7 assists. White has quickened the pace since being inserted into the starting lineups. For Chicago, it really comes down to what you think they are. And I think they're in a they're they're in a team in limbo and I personally think they should go ahead and start making trades. Now, here's the problem. Levine trade market is not as great as people want it to be. It's just not um you know, I know there will be people who will finally jump on that, but I think they should go ahead and focus on what they're going to do with DeRozan and or Caruso um, and go ahead and take care of those and see what you can recoup back and then make the Levine trade because I think he might be the lesser asset of the three at this point as far as value. So, that's what I think of the <laughs> Chicago Bulls. Unfortunately, it's not a it's not a great scene there. Okay, let's get to the Indiana Pacers. They have kind of fallen on some hard times, but fourteen and thirteen, they're eighth in the East. Okay, um, Rick Carlisle is the head coach. Kevin Pritchard is the exec. They signed Bruce Brown in the offseason. They traded Chris Duarte to Sacramento. And they also got Obi Toppin from the New York Knicks. Halliburton has made another leap, obviously. Um, Halliburton has been incredible. His volume has gone up. But his efficiency has stayed at the same as is is uh increased as well. So listen to this. He's averaging two plus more field goal attempts 
this year, 17.2 to last year's 15. His field goal percentage this year is 48.9, right? That right there just tells me that he's just he's just locked in. The other thing, his three-point attempts has also went up this year from 7.2 last year to 8.5. So, I mean, he's just shooting the ball with a credit, a incredible efficiency. And even with the struggles, I think that Halliburton has showed that he's definitely taking another step. Indiana's in a really, really good place with him. Um, let's talk about some more numbers that I got here with him. Um, so he's shooting in three. He's shooting 40.9% this year, last year 40%. So not much of a change, but more volume. So nothing's really changed. His effective field goal percentage is uh, 59.8. Last year it was 58.6. His free throw attempts this year are 4.4. Last year, 3.6. His assist total, obviously up 12 this year to 10.4 last year. And his scoring has gone up by almost four points. He's at 24.3. Last year, 20.7. Uh, Jairus Walker, which we haven't seen, we've seen very little of at this point in time. He's kind of the Swiss Army knife out of the University of Houston. But the emergence of Obi Toppin has cut into Jairus Walker's development. And um, the reason why is that Obi Toppin's shooting 38.7% from uh, three. And <clears throat> that was the problem with Walker coming into the league was, was the shot real. And I think with Toppin and Naismith uh, shooting at the fourth spot, there's just not a lot of room for Jairus Walker at this point in time. Still got a lot of, you know, promise, a lot of, you know, I think the kid works hard, so I'm not saying that it's never going to come. I'm just saying he fell into a developmental kind of black hole because, unfortunately, he's not going to get the time on the court because they got off to this great start, and the people that are playing his position can actually shoot it from three, and that's the kind of offense they want to run. So, then the breaks. Um, let's talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers a little bit. They are 16 and 13. They're seventh in the East. J.B. Bakerstaff is the head coach. Kobe Altman is the executive uh, they got Struess from Miami in a trade. They re-signed Karis LeVert. They signed Ty Jerome to a contract and George Yang as well. Um, Evan Mobley's out with a knee injury. This is terrible timing for this. And, you know, the thing that I'm, I'm having a hard time with Cleveland is, and I think a lot of people start to bring this up, is that The Donovan Mitchell trade might have sped them up a little too quick. And what I mean by that is that you have a point guard in Darius Garland, who is, I mean, he was at an all-star level, you know, before Donovan even got there. And now, you know, he is taking a back seat to Donovan Mitchell, which he should be, right? You know, Donovan is the more established guy. Um, he's also the guy who is shown that he can be money in the playoffs. He's also shown that he can not show up in the playoffs. So you get kind of a yin and yang with Donovan, but on the pecking order, Donovan would be number one when it comes to the Cavaliers. Um, but the offense just looks, it looks stagnant and, the de the or the lack of development of Evan Mobley has been astounding. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. The shot has disappeared. The touch has disappeared, and he's too light at this point to be a center. So we're kind of stuck. So this dude needs to find a jump shot 
and he needs to get on that like post haste. Um, I don't know. I mean, I made a statement about Donovan Mitchell getting traded. Then there have been things been floated out there that, um, you know, Donovan is not on the trade market. But I think for this team, they need to go ahead and see if they can get this reimagined a little bit. Uh, I think they should turn over the reins to Garland um, and then augment him with a winning group. Use the star power of Mitchell to to get back what they need, you know, which is shooting or whatever the case may be. Now the problem is is that their their needs have changed because Mobley's out. So now do you go chase, you know, something to replace Mobley, or do you look at whatever you're getting as an additive to what Mobley and Garland could be? Um, there are so many things with that. You know, it depends on where you stand with Mobley and, and what your, I guess, end of day Mobley will look like. Um, I'm still real high on him. I think it can turn around, but yeah, definitely there needs to be more work that needs to be done in development. And also, I think reps, reps with the ball will help. And it's going to not happen when you have Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, who both need the ball a lot. All right. <clears throat> I think I'm a little bit under the weather, but I don't feel it. All right, let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks are 21-7. and They're second in the East. Adrian Griffin is the new head coach. John Horst is the executive, and the Milwaukee Bucks went with the retention plan. They re-signed Lopez and Middleton, Jay Crowder, the Giannis brothers. They did get Ty Ty Washington, and then they made the big trade for Damian Lillard, and all seemed well in Milwaukee until two days before this regular season, and Stotts, who was going to be the assistant coach and kind of run the offense, was uh, fired or quit. Actually, he was quit because he said he was being um, berated by Agent Griffin. Um, here's the deal. We've not seen the pick and roll between Giannis and Dame as much as we thought we were going to. And here's the other part. The pick and roll if, uh, frequency for Giannis has gone from 1.8 to 2.3. I don't know if he likes running them. I don't know if he likes the physicality of it. I don't know if it's I, I want the ball in my hand. I don't know what it is, but that is something that's going to have to change before they get to the playoffs. Um, it's the super power, it's the weapon, it's the, <coughs> it was the reason to do the Dane trade in the first place. So, you were looking for some easy dynamicism in your, in your play and, and, and kind of giving your, your offense a boost. And here's the other thing, Dame is still part of the league leaders in pick and roll. He's just not doing it with Giannis. He's doing it with Lopez and Portis instead of Giannis. So until that gets better, I mean, they're winning. Um, they have a lot of talent. Middleton seems to be rounding back into shape. Uh, Connaughton has started to play. Um, you know, they're still missing a couple pieces at this point in time. But you're going to have to lean on some of the young kids, too. That's the other thing that we have to talk about is that uh, Bochamp, and Andre uh, Andre Jackson Jr. from Connecticut, those kids are going to have to play. Um, I think their defense is going to need them. So we'll see how it all plays out. <clears throat> all right, so let's get to the Washington Wizards. We told you it was going to be like this. 
Washington is 5-22. They're 14th currently in the Eastern Conference. Their coach is Wes Unseld. And their exec is newly minted Michael Winger, who came over from the Clippers organization. They made a trade, obviously. Bill is in Phoenix. Uh, Chris Paul went to Golden State. Jordan Poole went to Washington. Um, they also got Tyus Jones in the Marcus Smart deal for the Porzingis situation. They re-signed Kyle Kuzma because that's an asset retention deal. And basically, this season is what we thought it was going to be. A lot of Jordan Poole taking ill-advised shots. It, it's been a lot of what we really thought it was going to be, unfortunately. Um... I want to talk about something that I heard on The Right Time with Bomani Jones. And he was speaking to Gilbert Arenas. And Gilbert Arenas was talking about Jordan Poole. And he thinks that Jordan Poole fumbled the bag. And what he said was this. Is that, um, how are you with Curry, Clay, and Draymond? And how, how, how could you have not soaked all that championship knowledge that was just going to be freely given to you. How could you not take any of that? You know, he was just asking a question. And unfortunately, Jordan thinks a lot of himself, which, you know, you got to have a lot of confidence in yourself in the NBA. But I think sometimes you can slow down and maybe listen to the vets and, you might have become a little bit better product, and maybe you wouldn't have ended up in the situation that you did in Washington. The Charlotte Hornets are the next on deck. They are 7-19, 13th in the East. Steve Clifford is still the head coach. Mitch Kupchak is still the exec. Um, They... Got Brandon Miller in the they, he was second overall in the twenty in the twenty twenty three draft. Um, <clears throat> they re-signed Miles Bridges, um, PJ Washington, and Nick Smith Jr. Now, um, I think basically where we are with this team and. You know, I didn't think about it at the time because I was like, oh, they got to come in, clean house, blah, blah, blah. The problem is, is think about when they took over. Like, they took over, like, what, day of draft or, like, right after, which also means that free agency starts, like, almost pretty much immediate out, immediately after. Um, so this is probably just kind of a holding pattern season for them. I think keeping Clifford aboard, keeping Cubchak aboard, now you have a lay of the land. Hopefully you have gone on some of these road trips to kind of talk to other execs and other front offices and see what you want in the future for your team. But this is definitely a holding pattern. But there's a couple bright notes. I was hard on Brandon Miller when he came out. There are several reasons why. Uh, one, I didn't think he was physical enough. And when I saw they were putting him at kind of a front court, court role, you know, in the sense of he's 6'8", he's going to play basically small forward. I didn't think that was going to be a recipe for success. I just didn't think he was physical enough. I thought he was light. And I thought he'd get pushed around. And here's the deal. I was wrong on all accounts. Brandon Miller has played very well. He is shooting 38.2% from three. He's also shooting 79.2% from free throw line. 15 points, 2.3 assists, and four rebounds a game. He's showing good touch around the rim. Um... And that bodes well for Miller's future as a uh, 
as a shooter. So I'm I'm impressed with what I have seen from Miller. I was wrong, and I'm not I'm not afraid to admit it. So, but he is kind of like the shining bubble for them. I mean, Lamelo's kind of been in and out of the lineup, but uh, he's played well. So at least we know we got something in Brandon Miller. All right, we're going to move on to the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks are 12 and 15. They're 10th in the East. Quinn Snyder came aboard kind of like late last season just to get a feel. And now this is his uh, first full year. Now you got Landry Fields is now the exec. Remember, there was a kind of regime change there. Travis Slink, who is now like third in command in Washington or whatever the case may be. Uh, you got that. Um, they traded John Collins, which opened up a spot for Jalen Johnson, and we'll get there in a second. They drafted Kobe Bufkin, who I'm still high on. I'm keeping on my Kobe Bufkin stock in the in this last year's draft. And the best part is Jalen Johnson in his third year has really blossomed. And and the one thing I think he actually might hold the key to what Atlanta future will look like. Um, Johnson has exploded with his opportunity. He has uh, nearly doubled his field goal attempts. He's raised his field goal percentage. Uh, by 20%, he's gone from um, 59.4 this year from last year to 49.1. I mean, the numbers have just been incredible for this kid. And um, he's shooting the ball more this year and averaging more three-point attempts. Um, last year... He was at 1.5 this year. He's at 2.7. This year, he is shooting 42, 42.5% from three. Last year, he only shot 28.8. So, kudos to Jalen Johnson and his development. Now, I think it's not a, it's not a secret that once Jalen Johnson got hurt and was out of the lineup for a second, Atlanta... It, they didn't play well. They need that type of athleticism on the court, flying around, doing what he does to make them decent. I think that they're going to start targeting wings like this soon. And it might not become something of drafting. It might be something because of trade. I know that DeJounte Murray is probably looking at his probably last days in Atlanta. Um, it looks like the Knicks are in. I think other teams should be in. So as this story starts to develop and we start to see some of the players that come, come around, we will keep you up to date on that. But <clears throat> that is my take on Atlanta. We're going to move on to the Miami Heat. And what can you say about them? They're 16 and 12. They're sixth in the East. Eric Spolstra, head coach. Pat Riley is the exec. Um, free agent signings Orlando Robinson, Josh Richardson. They got Jaime Hawkes Jr. with the 18th overall selection in this year's draft. And he's just been absolute gold. 12.9 points a game. Uh, 3.6 rebounds, 2.6 assists, and one steal. He's shooting at a 37% clip from three, 84.2% from the free throw line, and he's shooting his effective field goal percentage is 56.1. So, all great things from a really solid player at UCLA, and he's going to be really solid for... Miami. I never think of Jaime Jaquez as like a star, but I definitely think he could start in his role. And he's one of those guys that uh, could work himself into an NBA rotation and play significant minutes in a high-pressure playoff game. 
But if you're asking me if I think Jaime Jaquez is ever going to be a one or two option, I don't think so. But he is a necessary evil to have. Boy, I tell you what, and you're glad to have him in Miami. So, shout out to our guy, Jaime Jaquez Jr. You know, UCLA, a clap all day. It's going re- to be real every time we talk about a growing on this podcast. All right, the other thing is Bam Adebayo. We're going to talk about his scoring. I want to let you know that his scoring has steadily gone up the last four seasons. Now, this season, he's averaging 22 points a game. That would be a career high. Last year would have been a career high at 20.4. The year before that, that was a career high at 19.1. The year before that, 18.7. And then the bubble year, that was also a career high at 15.9. So he's just steadily gone up. Uh, his growth has just been great, man. I mean, just kudos to Bam just just working and getting it done. He's expanded his game. You can tell this year um, there's a little more passing aspect to it. Um, he's more aggressive with uh, taking um, post-ups when he can. Um, obviously, he's going to be an effective pick-and-roll guy. So Bam out of bile has been absolutely Great this year. I've been really impressed with just everything about him. Everything about him. Bet you Jimmy Butler doesn't have to push him very much, right? <laughs> All right. Now we're going to get to one of my favorite stories of the year. The Orlando Magic are 16 and 11. They're fourth in the East. Jamal Mosley, to me, is 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 absolutely a Coach of the Year candidate. And um, John Weltman is the exec. Here's the thing, man. Who, who hasn't been impressed with Orlando, right? Um, I also think we're starting to see a separation between Paulo and Franz. I know Franz had the big game. But uh, Paulo has been awesome. And I think that's okay. I think anytime that you can get your, your packing order in, in the correct situation as early as possible, you're just ahead of the game. And it looks like Paulo is going to be the number one guy and Franz is going to be the number two guy. But make no mistake about it, both are very impactful to their team. Um... Let me give you some stats on Paulo because they're all trending up. This year, I think the thing that I liked about him is that it really it's been real gradual. And it's been like little tweaks. So he's averaging 16 field goal attempts a game. Last year he averaged 15.6, so it's just a little different. He's shooting ball 46. from the field this year. Okay. Now, last year, he shot the ball a lot worse. I think it was like 42%. He's shooting less threes. Uh, It's uh, four four three-point attempts a game. Oh, actually, it's 3.5 this year, four last year. And then, here's the thing that I like. The three-point shot last year was 29%. This year, it's 38 So, he went and just absolutely did it. Here's another thing that we're going to talk about. Anthony Black. He was the sixth overall pick. Um, This kid out of Arkansas is, is, is really good. I, I love this kid. I don't know if he's going to be like a star star, but he's definitely going to be one of those guys you're going to love having on your team. Um, He's found like a 20-minute-a-game role already. He started 21 of 25 games. And his defensive pressure, whether, whether it's um, on ball or 
just in the passing lanes and just his in energy is just infectious. Um, he just brings some chaotic nature to that team. And it's some length as well. And obviously we know about the 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 playmaking of one Anthony Black. That's the thing that we were really uh, excited about in the draft coverage uh, early in the year. So if you want to kind of go back and listen to the draft coverage, get into the archive pods. All right. Get into those archive pods. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Call, oh, Cole Anthony. Let's talk about him real quick. He's thrived in the six-man role. Um, we talked about it in a previous podcast. Last year, he did not fully embrace it. This year, he is absolutely embracing it, and he's thriving. And he's definitely in the running for six-man of the year. And shouts out to him just to understand, like, hey, this is how I can be valuable to this team. This is, he might not be the best player. There might be shooting things. There might be uh, shooting. Um, some of his attempts to me sometimes get a little shaky, but um, he's a gunner, which sometimes you need coming off the bench. He gives them some juice. So you got to love it. Um, he's actually one of the players that I really enjoy watching uh, with the Orlando Magic. All right. Let's get to the Toronto Raptors. They're 12th in the East. They're 11-16. Head coach is Darko Radjakovic. And their exec is Messiah Jerry. They let Van Vliet walk without compensation, which I thought was absolutely criminal. They re-signed Jakob Pertl, which they had got in a trade last year when we thought they should be kind of tearing it down. They also signed Dennis Schroeder, former Laker, and also um, he turns into Kyrie Irving when he plays for the German national team. And they picked up Grady Dick with the 13th overall pick in the draft. Here are my questions. Siakam Ojanovi, Gary Trent Jr., Dennis Schroeder, all are on expiring contracts. <clears throat> and these are players that would definitely be impactful in all other situations, maybe winning situations. And I just don't understand why we have not pulled the trigger. I mean, you can't lie dormant and 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 be this passive any longer. And I don't know why people aren't asking that question. Um, I really don't. I, I This seems very... I don't even know. It just... Like a derelict of duty, almost, damn near. If you think about it, right? Like, Siakam walks after this year. If you don't trade him, you get nothing. You got a lot of teams vying for like you know real legitimate like championship aspirations. You can't <clears throat> run up the price on one of those teams. I, I, I don't know. OG and Novi, they were trying to get four or five first round draft picks last year. I, I mean, I like OG and Novi. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not giving anybody that amount of picks for a 16 and five guy. And I know they say he can do more. I haven't seen it ever. Just be a good three and D dude. I understand you want a more role, but maybe you just need to do your role as, as great as you can possibly do it. And maybe in another environment, you will appreciate that role. All right, let's get to the Brooklyn Nets. They are 13 and 14, ninth in the East. Jacques Vaughn is the coach. Sean Marks is the executive. Dennis Smith Jr., Lonnie Walker, Darius Basley were some of the signings. Derek Whitehead and Noah Clowney were picked back to back in the first round. This uh last year, both were coming off like injuries and, and, and whatnot. So 
we didn't think to we were going to see a lot of them anyway. Um, Cam Thomas. <clears throat> now, here's the thing, man. Cam Thomas likes to shoot the basketball. This boy, woo, loves shoot. And the counting numbers have exploded. I mean, 24 points a game. I mean, he's getting the shots. Um, he's providing uh, a level of independent um, offensive initiation that they sorely lack. So he's the type of guy that if you have five seconds left on the clock and nothing's worked, you can give him a ball, get him the ball, and he will take the shot because he's not scared. And he's not seen a shot that he has not liked. So, uh, which the irrational confidence guy can be good for certain teams. And in a, in a team like this where the offense can get bogged down, I could see that. Um, but there's another team that, you know, what are we doing? Where where are we looking? What What are we looking to do? Are we... Are we okay with treading water? Remember, they don't have their draft pick this year. It's Houston's. So keep that in mind as well. The New York Knicks are 16-11, fifth in the East. Tom Thibodeau is the coach. Leon Rose is, is the exec. <clears throat> the Villanova signing day of DiVincenzo signing to go with... Uh, Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart. Did you, I mean, it's just Villanova all day. Every day there. Jalen Brunson continues to exceed expectations. Jalen Brunson has maintained, um, has, uh, maintained his uh, volume as the number one option. So his name is showing up on the whiteboards constantly. He's the number one dude. And still, the efficiency is still great. 45.8% from three, man. Are you kidding me? This dude is ridiculous, bro. Like, honestly, he's like six foot one. Um, He kind of reminds me a little bit of Tim Hardaway. And I'm not talking about Tim Hardaway Jr. I'm talking about Senior. You know, the skill level, the dance with the basketball. He just has a lot of that in him. The one-on-one, mano-a-mano, I can get to my spot. You can't you can't stop me type situation in him. And uh, it has served him well. That dude has just been amazing. Now, bad news. The Mitchell Robinson thing, out for the season. This is terrible. Uh, Jericho Sims got hurt. Um... This is devastating, especially when you were maybe looking to figure out which position you were going to upgrade, which was the Julius Randle or R.J. Barrett situation, and seeing maybe, hey, if I got Mitchell Robinson, I got all the Villanova guys, you know, I got Emmanuel Quickly, maybe... I upgrade one of these positions and we take off to a higher level. Now with Mitchell Robinson out, do you do you go get a big? Um, you know, do you kind of give up on this season a little bit? You know, to kind of fall back and, and, and you know get over whatever you need. Here's the thing: they're going to be too good to get like anything value. You know, uh, really, really viable. Um, unless they get lucky in the lottery. The other thing is, is that you don't want to just go out and grab something when you're in position of weakness like this. I mean, I understand the 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 just the 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 organic nature of just feeling like we need to do something. Um and they do. And I'm not sitting here saying like don't do anything, but I just hope that they're strategic enough and make sure that they don't lose a ton of assets just to fill this role, knowing that Mitchell Robinson is coming back next year. So uh, we'll keep an eye out on that and see how that looks. 
but they do need a skyscraper and 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 that will be the search for right now so we'll see what what ends up happening right it'll be interesting to see the Philadelphia 76ers are 19 and 8 they are third in the east nick nurse is the head coach Daryl Morey is the executive. Okay, so Harden gone, PJ Tucker gone, Pat Bev comes in, Mo Bamba comes in, they re-sign Big Ball Paul, Paul Reed to um what is it, the the after rookie deal? They signed him to a really good contract. I liked it. Okay. Maury won another star. Remember that? Remember, uh, if I'm giving up Harden, I want another star in return. It looks like he already has one. Okay? Uh, Tyrese Maxey is putting up 26 points a game, 6.7 dimes. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, this is crazy. Four boards almost. So, I think Maury can now re- Imagine the roster in a different way, knowing that he has Tyrese Maxey in the fold to go along with Joel Embiid, who's playing at an MVP level. Um, so when you talk about another piece for the Philadelphia 76ers, it's all conjecture at this point. Um, you know, what they think they need and what they actually eventually go after. I mean, right now, it's all up in the air, but they do have the pieces to do it, and they also have now the draft equity to go ahead and handle that. Embiid is functioning on a completely different level from previous MVP season. He's at 35 points a game, 12 rebounds. It's the assists that are absolutely amazing to me. He's averaging six assists a game. This is a, a far cry from what he's averaged in the past. I think highest is like 4.3. And now he's at 6. And it's just the recognition of the teammates, the more movement that the Philadelphia 76ers have at this present time. It just makes for a more well, well-rounded uh, MVP. You know, just put it bluntly. Another stat that is really interesting as well is that He's averaging he's averaging um, 1.2 offensive rebounds more a game. That's interesting because that's just an effort play. That just lets you know how much he wants it and lets you know that he's not looking at last season in the MVP season as the defining season. He is still after the championship. Don't you worry. All right. We're going to move along to Boston now. Now, Boston, they have a record of 21-6. and six. First in the East, Joe Mazzula, head coach last year. Remember how he got the job. Ime Adoka lost his job to, we'll just say, foggy decisions. Um, and then we have Brad Stevens as the executive. Who went out? A lot of people. Grant Williams went out. He's in Dallas. Marcus Smart, who was the heart and soul of the team, he's in Memphis. Malcolm Brogdon and Robert Williams are in Portland. But it's what they got back is the important thing. Christoph Porzingis and Drew Holiday have completely revolutionized that, uh, that starting five. Derek White... Jay, the the uh, the Jays, if you wanted Jay, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, both have significantly uh, played better. It seems it's more under control. It's kind of a, a a more quieter chaos with Drew Holiday and Derek Hort, Derek White manning the backcourt. Um, the other thing with Missoula is is that when we last left him. He was having a hard time calling timeouts. He was, uh, you know, his staff was dreadfully undermanned just because of the fact of the circumstances behind Ime Adoka leaving. He has now 
restocked his staff with Charles Lee. He's a longtime assistant, very respected in the league. He's been up for like three or four head coaching jobs. And Sam Cassell, who was being part of Dark River staffs and, and things of that nature, and, and he's had a long stint in Washington as well. Um, Sam, Sam Cassell is one of those guys that when you hear people talk around Lee, he's just highly respected. And it's a good move to have those type of people on the staff assisting Joe Mazzula. I don't need to get into the the Jays at all. The number I want to leave you with with Boston is this. They have a 9.3 net rating. Okay, it's only second to Philadelphia. And the only reason I think Philadelphia is so far out ahead is because the last six to six to nine games, They've been playing nothing but like the lower end of the NBA. So their na- their number is inflated. So 9.3 net rating, I mean, I don't know what to say about the Boston Celtics, but right now they just look like the best team in the league. So um, not a lot to say. Christoph Porzingis and Drew Holiday are really great additions to the Boston Celtics. All right, so that's been our Eastern Conference uh, quarter recap. I want to thank everybody. Again, keep in mind that uh, this is the 100th episode. We are so excited that we've been able to do it and be able to do it for this amount of time. So keep on telling your friends out there, tell uh, your mailman, what have you, uh, about the podcast and also – Get on following us on X, Frontrunner PC, and at Nico FRPC. Um, we will hit you with a new podcast come next week. I believe it will be Tuesday, so keep on lookout for that. We'll be going over the Christmas Day games and thoughts and what have you and see if anything else of note comes out of the Christmas game. So with that being said... Enjoy your hoop day on Monday. I hope that your holiday season is nothing but joyous, and we will see you on Tuesday. Be easy. Peace.